I wanted to give the narrative power back to the body, to the movement, to parts that we don't usually think of as having an agency of expressing yourself. Welcome to Not A Real Artist, a podcast by me, Tamara Segedeven. And me, Iris Fritchie-Cousins, discussing relatable creative topics with honesty and humour. In this episode, uh, we've got a very interesting guest. This is another one in the series of Iris looks at her pool of friends who are all really interesting people and wants to talk to them <laughs> in this podcast. The uh, the guest that we've got today um, is an amazing artist and ice cream maker as well. Um, and so like multi, multi-passionate creative, I think I would describe her as. She's also... Funnily enough, she's my neighbor. Um, and I think that excites me a lot because I live in London and like neighbors are very anonymous. Uh, you don't know anyone, even though you've been living somewhere for 10 years. And then it turns out like somebody moves in across the way and is also an artist. And that is just so exciting. And I'm really excited to talk to her. Um, our guest today is Yu Chao. Yu Chao, do you want to just quickly introduce yourself? Yes, uh, thank you for having me here. I'm very, very happy to be talking to both of you. Um, like, like Iris just said, we're neighbors in London. Um, I grew up in Beijing, China, before moving to America for undergraduate school in Southern California, where I studied studio art and environmental analysis, after which I went on to study architecture um, on the East Coast. So... I'm trained as an architect and worked as an architect for a few years. Since moving to London, though, I decided to rediscover my interest in art uh, after many years of not practicing and coincidentally <laughs> discovered my great passion in ice cream making. So right now I've been focusing my time on making paintings and making ice cream. And these things do not mix, um, just to put it out there. I think that it's super interesting. So first of all, okay, so, okay my, I'm going to like straight away put my foot in it because I think of your paintings and then I think of ice cream and then it reminds me of the fact that a few years ago there was this ice cream parlor in Covent Garden and they made a little bit of an impact in the news, uh, like kind of PR stunt of like doing uh, breast milk ice cream. <laughs> And so I feel like that ties in really well with like you making ice cream and your art because like your art, which uh, we're going to link to Yu Chao's website and Instagram profile in the show notes. And you really need to check out her art. It's uh, these really amazing oil paintings. Um, and what I noticed straight away when I look at them is there's a lot of focus on like female bodies with uh, uh, big breasts, uh, nursing babies, uh, that kind of stuff. And yeah, I, I would love to know a little bit more about what, what that means and uh, to you. Yes, I think I get this question a lot, like, oh, you really do love milk, don't you? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and you really do love breasts, huh? Um, I, I would say I do. And this is a recurring theme in my work female bodies um, with a focus on the breasts. And what I would say about my choice of, you know, giving the narrative focus to the breasts is that when I think of a portrait, you know, so much of the emotion, so much of the identity tend to 
be conveyed through the face. And how I approach it, I wanted to give the narrative power back to the body, to the movement, to parts that we don't usually think of as having an agency of expressing yourself. Of course, we can say, oh, female breasts are expressive throughout art history, but I always wonder, you know, how much creative agency are there for the breast to stand out and say, hey, I'm funny, or hey, I can become a metaphor for something else, for a different kind of human um, condition. So I think that's a good observation. Like There are a lot of breasts in my work, and I think they all do different things um, based on the theme of each work. Tamara, you also, in your work, explore body parts. Like, I feel like both of you, because my, my work doesn't, like, unequivocally, like, have body parts. So I feel like I'm interested, like, from both of your perspectives, like, what, what does this mean to have more of a focus on anatomy, body parts, like, and specifically, like, you know, things like breasts or bottoms or uh, things like, or bellies, uh, that kind of thing? The reason I'm quiet, first of all, is because my mind is exploding like into so many pieces, like just listening to this idea that the breasts can be the narrative, the the the, the breasts can be used to express. And automatically when I think, and I'm sorry for not answering your question, too bad, uh, when I think of the breasts and I think of narrative, the only thing I immediately like hearken to that I've been taught is that the breasts are there to entice and seduce. And then they're there for feeding the baby and they need to get the hell out of here. Then we don't want to see them when they're sagging or when they're, when they're big or distended or whatever the the hell that they look like. And just this idea that a body part like the breasts or even the neck, because I don't know why I'm thinking probably because of the the flu I've had, like the neck and the throat, that it can be used to express so much more, so much of like pain and sorrow. Like this is what I'm thinking about as Yu Chao talks, that like it's it's just blowing my artistic mind and, and making me think about what I want to show. Um, I've looked at Yu Chao's art and I said to you that I really feel um, envy when I see somebody's work, but I saw, um, I think you titled it Juggler and I saw it and I could not stop thinking about it. And I was like, this is just amazing because, um, I'll, I'll get to like the, the other thoughts I had about it. But the first thought I had was like, this to me is like my identity with myself as well. Like having big breasts as a person, this has been such a defining character of my life. It made me, um, both, worthy of attention and also deserving of assault like that kind of vibe and I when I saw this like juggling action and I also saw they look like eyes they look like pupils but the mouth also looks like a breast and it's like it just like I like you can see that I'm still like fucking excited about it and I was like <laughs> I don't know what to do with this because there's a part of me that just wants to like swipe your arts and like just like look at it forever but there's a part of me like it just it really like broke something open and it made me think so much and I'm too sick to think. Um, and what I want to say is that even the title the juggler, like eventually it hit me that, Hey, these are also jugs. Like that's another name for breasts. Like how deep yes. does this fucking thing go? <laughs> and I said to Iris that you doesn't caption her paintings she has the title, but she doesn't necessarily say too much about them. 
And what does that say about me as an artist? Do I caption my art because I want people to not mistake it or because I need to do connection or is it because I've been taught? And like, I know that I'm going totally off the rails here, but like, these are all the things that your art did for me. Um, and maybe we can touch on it in a second, but when I paint bodies, it's not necessarily for the narrative of myself, but it's to show myself and who I am, that this fat, veiny, uh, stretch mark body exists. And it's not just an object of hate, just as I paint everything with like love and detail, um, even if they're, they're quote unquote ugly, um, this is a part of that thing. And that's what it is. It's about making my body visible in this world that even though I'm fat and by default, I should be more visible because there's more of me. I am invisible in this world unless I'm unless I'm being ridiculed or I'm a fetish. And that's why I paint those fat bodies and these other bodies, because I want people to see that hanging breasts and and big asses and all of these things like that they exist and they're beautiful. So that's why I do it. But uh, I went and I spoke about everything I probably wanted to speak about on this podcast. So I'm going to leave now. <laughs> bye, guys. Um, bye. <laughs> it's funny because what you're saying, it's like, um, so you, Chow, you said about agency through body parts. And then tomorrow when you're talking it makes me really think about how female bodies and also specifically breasts often when we're like when we're thinking about them or when we're looking at them we're thinking about them from the point of view of them belonging to some someone else like as if like the breasts and the breasts uh, and the person that the breasts belong to don't actually belong to that person they don't have agency they're just seen either for the male gaze or for fetishization for advertising for young idealized beauty ideals um as opposed to um like the power residing back in the body of the person with the breasts or, you know, the person who chooses to paint them. And I think that's super interesting. I, I hope you're not becoming like uncomfortable because when I said it to Iris yesterday, I don't like saying things like I'm envious or whatever because I, it's not really an emotion I feel that's true to me. But I did feel a lot of envy when I saw this. And another thing that I saw that I'm not really averse to showing liquids of the body in my art but I have not, I've only depicted breast milk in two kind of pieces where I wanted to show that the, <laughs> the nourishment given to, to different types of children, like the, 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 the daughters of the mother and the sons of the mother. And I felt that the sons of the, of the mother got, their children got from a withered breast. I'd, why am I explaining this? You don't need to know. You haven't seen it. But when I saw the depiction of fluid in your art, I feel that's very taboo as well. There's like a lot of like, I don't like mother's milk, but not for the baby feels a little bit like wrong and sexual to me. And I, and I couldn't put my finger on it, but I just, I loved it so much. I just, I am blown away by, by what you did. And I need to stop praising you now. And I need to ask a question, which is how, how does this, I, I understand now why you, you're doing breasts and what you're using it for, but how did this concept actually come together from thought to actually this is what it is was it a lot of reiterations or i'm, I'm not going to give you the answer you just tell me <laughs> first of all uh you've boosted my ego greatly in the past five minutes uh <laughs> i'm feeling like a real artist now um thank you both so much for for your comments on my paintings and i you know it's it's always something that i 
that I treasure when somebody comments on a specific painting, how it has resonated with them, and not just like looking through my work and being like, oh, it's so nice, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think the juggler especially has a very special place in my heart because as you probably can see through most of my uh, portrait paintings, there is an autographical lens in them. Um, they might not look like me. They might not uh, have a specific like uh, emotional or, you know, message about what I like verbally want to express, but I think they all represent me in some way. And the juggler especially, I, I do feel like my identity since my face has been very much captured in this motion of how I'm perceived, how I'm perceived as a woman in society versus how I perceive myself and this like always constantly changing cycle of knowing who I am and then being impacted by how I'm perceived. And I don't say that in a bad way, like, oh, we should always like hold on to how we perceive ourselves and don't let the outside influence, you know, come in. I, th I think it's always like a fluid cycle of adjusting and negotiating with the outside image of yourself and how you see yourself sometimes. And I feel like the self-awareness of who you are is always fleeting. Like we tend to think, oh, I want to know myself better. I want to hold on to that because that's the most authentic. But I also see a lot of value. And also it's something that we can never escape, <laughs> how others see us. And I, I do think there's a lot of value in, in analyzing that, embracing that, of course, not to be held um, slave by other people's perceptions and gazes, but I, I do think there's a lot of value in, in processing those, um, you know, outside judgments and uh, perceptions. But uh, there were many questions that I wanted to address. Tamara mentioned um, the presence of body fluid in my work. And uh, as I was, as I'm uh, checking out my own website right now, I do have several paintings that portray body, you know, body fluid, specifically milk, not for the purpose of feeding a baby, but more for like an almost mythological presence. Um, there's this painting called Icarus. It has, you know, a distant uh, reference to the Greek mythology Icarus. But I kind of like, I took that story and transformed it into my own. And here, the breast milk coming out of this androgynous body uh, does the work of divine irrigation. Um, Another painting called Meditation features this woman, again, androgynous. I'll explain that more in detail later. Featuring the milk, kind of like making two puddles in the deep blue water. And I think that's almost like a reflection of who you are, like through the, through the fluid, through the things you create, through the things that your body creates. And uh, I think like I wasn't being too... Uh, self-conscious about what I was painting back then. But now looking back, like I do see a point in that these body fluids usually seen as private or, you know, dirty or serving a very specific reproductive purpose can also take on their own message. Um, and I do like this kind of, you know, a metaphorical um, capacity of the things related to our bodies to be seen in a different way, to be seen in a, in a holy way. This is not about religion, but, you know, mm -hmm. 
no, they but can there's be. A, there's a sacredness to it. Mm. Sacredness. Sacred is yes. a good word. Yeah. Yes. You were talking about visibility as a woman in this world, as a woman with imperfections, and that is something. I think, even though we're all very different as individuals, I do feel that a lot,、um, and. I think we all connect in that way as women. I was discussing this with my friends earlier on, like whether you're beautiful or not, judged by whatever standard, by your own perception, by the societal standard. I feel like I feel like most women have struggled with your, you know, body image, self acceptance. I myself included, and this process of painting for me. Kind of is a process of taking that, taking that idea of beauty out of the picture, and it's not about going against the beauty. But I think I do try not to have beauty as the end purpose of my paintings. It is an aesthetic practice, after all,、um, and I try to, you know, use my aesthetic language to make a point. But for me, the point is not about making it look beautiful. Or or making it look look ugly to you know to kind of challenge the beauty standard for me like I wanted to take away the idea of beauty, and still see these bodies as self sufficient、um, you know、uh, vessels for all of our identities and I think that's what's been driving me and what I've been finding very exciting、um, to paint these nude figures. Yeah, I think that really comes across、uh, what you just said about.、Um... It kind of straddles the line, or it doesn't even straddle the line. It's like it takes beauty out of the question, but it also takes ugliness out of the question. And then the bodies just are what they are and what you see. But you're not like, yeah, you're not like either following something that's out there or being against what's out there. It's it, it, it's its own kind of unique representation of these bodies, and that's really interesting. It reminds me of this, like instead of body positivity, it's body neutrality, right? My body is a body. It doesn't have to be exceptionally good. It doesn't have to be exceptionally bad. And I think that's a really nice place to be.、Um, it's a nice thing to try and evoke. I think for people like me who always just want to go against something, who feel like they're rebels by nature, it's only I'm only able to view my body as neutral. After I have loved it as fiercely as I've hated it, I think that's kind of like my thing. Like when I hear it, it sounds so attractive to me. It's something that I would really like to do, but I'm definitely not there yet. But I, I hear you, and I think it's such a a powerful thing to do because then again, you're just seeing it as what it is, not as good or bad, which is difficult because in this world, I think we've also been trained not just for body for anything. It's either you you're either on on this end of the of the speedometer or the other gauge.、Um, there is no middle, or not even middle. <laughs> Let's look at it from a three D point of view. No, I'm kidding. Um, I do have this this caption question. It's it's just because again, like I said, it's just making me think so much. I. When I saw you not captioning your art,、uh, the first thing is it felt a little bit confusing, because I was like, "Oh yeah, like what does this mean? Tell me what this yeah, means, like, please." I know what it means. <laughs> it to me, okay.、Yeah. Like I have all the hundred and fifty theories, but 
you haven't said anything about it. And then I was like, this is a bit confusing to me. And then I thought, but why? Why do I have to read you Charles' caption? And then we were talking and we didn't know if it was deliberate, if you don't uh, caption deliberately or if you have another reason for not doing it. Very good question. I talk about this a lot. I discuss this a lot with my partner because we both struggle, struggle so much with captioning our own works. You know, what is appropriate, what is effective, what is artistically um, impactful, all of these, like it's very hard to just condense it into several, you know, words. Um, I, I do want to interject and respond to your earlier comment about, you know, body neutrality and the, the issue of beauty and ugly. I, I just wanted to explain that it's not as if I'm feeling at peace with my body or with like other women's body. Like, I, I don't think like, this idea of neutrality is where it's all headed. And sometimes I wish I had more energy in portraying like a more raw emotion that I do feel, but I feel like in my process of painting, a lot of it is toned down, um, maybe just by way of going over and over at it. So I, I think all of these things coexist. Um, yeah, and that's the the thing like it's uh, i'm i'm not showing you a rude sign here i'm just <laughs> showing you my version of a gauge um we've been taught like i feel i've been taught to just exist here like absolutely hate loathe etc and then when i got onto social media and i saw all of these fat bodies like love your body love yourself blah, 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 and then it was just whoop all in the other way and it's exhausting to exist here because i come on, some days I cannot say, like, I can't be here. And then I found this middle. And it's not that I'm here all the time because it's exhausting here too, because it's like being a Zen master. So it's just like flowing through all of these things and understanding that just being in any space at any given time is absolutely awesome. But like just also the idea that I could also put that in my art when I show my body, it doesn't have to just be a rebellion because being rebellious takes energy, just like protesting and explaining and all of this stuff. So it's a very like cool thing. And another thing now that I'm starting to envy about you. Um, and yes, I derailed the, the conversation again, but you, you were going to talk about captions. I'm sorry. I'm just really excited. <laughs> Talking about ugly fat bodies, uh, one of the very first painting inspiration that I had was Jenny Seville. Um, this was first year undergraduate. I took an intro to painting class and the professor showed Jenny Seville's work um, of a series of, I don't know if it's right to describe that this way, but sickly woman bodies, um, obese bodies with marks on them. Um, bodies that look fleshy, that like in a in a very extreme way, that almost look like bleeding animal fleshes, and that I I, I feel like I, I I still can't quite you know um, define it, what exactly it means to me. But it's just her work gave me such a deep impact when I was eighteen, and like I want to paint like that. I want to take the question of a beautiful body, how, you know, um, how we tend to see the representation of, self, of ourselves out. I want to portray the aspects unseen through the lens, through the screen, on paper. I, I wanted to paint something that's as deep and real as, as you know, her work is. And uh, just as you're talking about, you know, the rebellion, the fat bodies, like, I just wanted to bring that up, how... I feel like that was actually my starting point 
when I was a teenager. So yes, okay. So going back to the <laughs> question on caption, I don't know. Like I I look at other artists' captions and it's always a mysterious um, experience of looking at the work and then reading the caption and sometimes realizing, oh, they seem like totally different things. And then it takes like another like you know process to digest and to ask your ask myself, oh, do I agree? Like, is this painting about that? And it's it's very hard to you know sometimes put A and B together. With my own caption, I feel like some of them are more straightforward, um, kind of describing the scene, as you can see, and I think more with my earlier works. And some of them are, yes, a bit uh, ciphered. I think when I pick a caption, I do want it to give a kind of like a cue, a guidance into like what I was thinking when I was painting this, because I do always have a clear message in my head. And even though I don't want to spill it all out, I, I do want to guide the viewer because I like we all know how an artist's work can be interpreted in, in, in like a million different ways. And I, as much as I encourage open interpretation, I also do want to be, you know, I also do want to redirect people to try to see it in like my way. Um, but I can also see how it can be confusing because I think I'm, I'm not like being descriptive enough of um, what I'm painting. And I do think that's fine. Like sometimes I do need to explain, like maybe I caption the work based on like a tiny detail of the painting. For example, I'm looking at Messenger and this painting is really about this um, communication connection of a bird and a human evoking the idea of a bird and who comes first, who comes second. And I I feel like that connection, when you look at the painting, may or may not be immediately clear. And I hoped that, you know, the title, Messenger, would give a clue to to what I was thinking. Um, I don't know if that helps. No, it does. I think um, my my English is (laughs) lacking. So for me, like caption is is more like what you do I call it like a title so calling something the juggler for me is a title Um, and what I mean more by caption is just this a whole bunch of text um, and Iris said to me like Iris you can say what you said to me afterwards like that usually goes after an artist painting where they either tell you what they've been feeling during painting it or after it or just like it's almost like the picture is a text for the caption or the caption is a text for the picture whichever way it works and I thought about like what I did so my art's very different from yours in terms of like I have like childish cartoonish looking stuff and it changes but um it's not it's it's just I think it's just processing a lot of the 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 inner child stuff that I wasn't allowed to do um and I had to say like this is sad and this is what I feel like a shadow at a party and I thought well why the f did I like why did I feel that I had to do that is it because I needed to communicate oh my god I'm sick please feel sorry for me or (laughs) uh, was it to connect or was it really just because that picture couldn't do without that caption 
And I mean, it's not, I, I'm not trying to put myself down. Like I wouldn't call my art serious art. And I would look at yours and I would say, okay, this is serious art to me because I feel like there's a lot of like thoughts and ideas and things you're trying to break. Whereas with that, I was just trying to express that I'm sick and I'm miserable. Um, and I just, it made me think about why we're doing these things. And um, Iris, when I said, I asked you the question about captions, you said to me that, what did you say? I think it's like, it's it's calling into question, um, well, not calling into question, but it's made me question why I caption my art. And I think, um, I, I feel like a very defensive person. Like, I always feel like... Um, like people are thinking something bad of me and I need to put them straight um, and I need to kind of control what people think of me and my art so that they don't like get the wrong end of the stick. Like I hate it when people look at my art and then um, attribute their interpretation to me. I don't mind someone looking at my art and having their own like, oh, I see this in it or this makes me feel this or I think this represents this. I have no problem with that. But when somebody says like, oh, you painted this or you feel this, I'm like, you know, shut the fuck up because this is, you know, this process belongs to me and your um, interpretation belongs to you, but you can't like start attributing it to me. Um, and I find that very painful. And I think that some of the captions that I write are in order to preemptively combat that. Um, and then I also realized that some of the captions that I write are just because I'm trying to grow my social media following. And when I think about it, I'm like, I don't really want to write captions. I don't, I hard, most of the time, I don't even know what the, what the title of a painting is. I'm just like, I'm just painting and I want to share it. I want to like, I want people to see it. I want, um, you know, I hope that people connect with it, but really I'm tired of writing captions, you know, please just look at my art and spend more than one second, like pressing the like button and like, feel something and and then you know ask questions if you've got questions like oh i'm really curious about what that means but yeah maybe i think i think i've been inspired to stop captioning my art so much <laughs> it's it is a very very taxing process i i have to agree very much it's like sometimes i I, I find it to be a painful process. I'm like, is this appropriate? Does I sound too pretentious? And, you know, some like I'm looking at some of the captions or titles that I, I chose. I ended up choosing some of them. I really did just give up trying. I'm like, okay, this is a woman. That's a portrait. Those are fine. And others, it's really just like me discussing with my partner. Like, hey, is this funny? Does I sound funny to you? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's how I ended up you know becoming the title and I like I look at both of your work and I think you know it is a very different process because for you guys there's and I'm not saying like oh who's like more serious who's less because it's at the end of the day all about finding a comfortable way an authentic way of expressing ourselves and um, I do feel authentic and comfortable expressing my feelings in the way I work. And I do think part of that relates to how comfortable I am putting my own self out there in the front. If I write a 
paragraph about you know why I painted this and that, I feel like I would dig a hole and like I don't want to see people after like you know it's it's it has to do with like my my own comfort with with text. I think part of that you know drives my decision of always choosing like sometimes very short or not immediately clear titles. I I do agree with Iris that you know. On social media, which is the main platform for most artists these days, how how we engage with the viewer, how the audience, you know, receives our work, very much impacts how we present it. And I feel the same way in that I would hate for people to just scroll through, take two seconds, and make a judgment based on their first impression of the image, and be like, oh, she's painting something emotional again. Or oh, that's a nude female figure.、Mm, nice, you know. Like I, I, that's also something that I really don't want, and I do want something to grab on, and for them to like stop and think for a moment. Oh, like oh, why is that caption that? So that you know, in lieu of maybe a larger text, is maybe my approach to wanting to engage with the audience.、Um, without those, you know. I fear that these paintings, our artworks, will just become images that lose their meanings in the sea of many other images, and we need text to help with that. At the end of the day, I'm definitely also like going to the thing. If I don't want to write, I don't want to write. I'm not a I'm not a writer, and I often just write stupid things because that's what I deal in stupidity,、um, or silliness. I just keep on thinking. First of all, I think Iris and I also have very different audiences. We have people who want to know us on that personal level, especially if we teach teach them and connect with them, etc. So, I get that. What I keep on thinking is though, is what's the alternative? Because when I view Iris's art, I do read the caption because I'm very interested in what Iris has to say,、um, because I'm invested in her thought processes. There's a lot of value in it for me.、Um, And Iris, I don't know if you're going to take this as a compliment or as an insult, but I'm more interested in, and I said this to her already, like hearing her thoughts than trying to paint like her. But that's because I'm my own artist. Maybe if the only way to get that was to emulate her art, then it would be different. And I don't have the answer here, but I'm the, the question, and maybe the three of us are going to find a solution. What's the alternative here? So if Iris does like, if I hear Iris doesn't like captioning her art, that makes me. I don't want Iris to do things she doesn't like. I love reading the captions, but I want her to have ease and joy in all the things she does because then that will result in other stuff, more art, better things for me as a person who、um, patronizes. Is that the word? <laughs> who is a patron or a patron of of Iris who wants to see her stuff out there? What is the alternative? Is it then、um, I like what you do because I looked at your art and I didn't just spend、uh, five seconds going through it, not because you were coming here, but because I was captivated by it, and the titles helped me,、um, and they also confused me, which made me think about myself. So is that the the alternative? Then how do I get to know you as an artist、um, without the text? And you said you're not comfortable、uh, with certain things, and I get that. Some artists don't want you to know them, and that's good. Like that's none of your business if you if you don't want to be known by other people. Like that's your own thing. But how would we do it? And Iris, I don't know. I think I'm asking you for a solution. How would we get people? 
get people to know us more as their teachers or their artists without captioning everything? Is it the other stuff we make, the videos and the and the vlogs, or like what's the what's the solution? Because Instagram is just click and scroll. I'm sorry, it is. <laughs> Except yeah. if you're looking at your child stuff. So I was thinking about, you know, like allowing people to have their own interpretation. No, it was really more about being seen, actually, about l- allowing people to see your work and have their thoughts. And I think that I am really ambivalent because on the one hand, I really want my work to be seen. And I don't mean seen for likes and seen by loads of people. I mean, really seen where somebody looks at the artwork and goes like, oh, wow, this, you know, this looks like this or this evokes this or this makes me feel this or that or whatever. And like, I really want that. But then at the same time, I really don't want to know about it because it's so exposing because I kind of feel like if you really look, then you will really see me in my artwork and you will see so many things about me. You will see, you know, disappointment and anger and like being, you know, feeling not worthy, feeling not loved and all that stuff. Oh God, I've told everybody now. Now they're going to see all of this in my artwork. But like, you know, like, but the thing is, I can tell, I can tell people about it until the cows come home. If people don't really want to see it, they won't see it. They'll just see like, oh, it's a face with a big eye. They won't see what's really in it. And I do feel like that's something that you can't expect of people you can't necessarily even teach people some people will just see and some people won't um and I do feel like that the people who really do see my work when they see it yes it feels exposing but it also feels incredibly validating because it feels like oh you know they really saw what I was painting even if I don't know what I'm painting I'm just you know I'm just here painting it but then they really saw me in the painting um and that feels really validating um and it doesn't happen very much to be honest uh i would say like you know a thousand people can see your painting a thousand people can even press like on your painting if it's on instagram but that doesn't mean that there that a thousand people have seen it if that makes sense and i so it's something that i want to try and do a bit more of that uh, i try to curate who i follow in that i only follow people whose art i really want to connect with and see um but i still think that i'm still very much in a consumption mode when i'm like scrolling on instagram instead of like really seeing and connecting and sometimes like it's easy because sometimes something just hits you and you're like oh my god like i can i'm i'm here and i'm connected with that painting but a lot of the time i think it takes a little bit longer um and I don't know if social media is the best platform for it, but it is the platform we've got when it comes to, you know, sharing. Yeah, I'm thinking about that conversation we had about social media where you said, like, that's not what the platform is designed for. Um, Because it is designed for for scrolling. Like, we've just been sold in some ways that it's more for connection. And I keep on just thinking, like, what's the alternative? And maybe there isn't an alternative. But maybe the alternative is... I don't know. You know, I like actions. So is it like a virtual, is it, I don't know, is it spaces that we we curate? Like, is it virtual art galleries? Is it art galleries in our community? Like where, how do we get this thing where we can have that connection? Because it is also like coincidental, you know, I probably might never have seen you Charles art if you didn't know her. Yeah. yeah and it true. just makes me feel quite 
I would like to think that the universe brings things to me when I need it, but it makes me feel a bit scared and afraid. And like that I, how much more, not fear of missing out, but how much more of the good stuff am I not seeing? Because mm. we are using this platform specifically. I have no solution. Again, it's just a thought I'm sharing. Yeah, I don't think there is a solution. But I do think that as as is often the case with these kind of things, it's like it's really about a personal process because it's like there is so much out there and you have to curate and you have to decide like what am I going to spend my attention on? and what through this conversation what I want to do is I want to spend a bit more time with individual pieces of art um and I think that that's a personal decision and and sometimes like the systems that are around us um facilitate the things that we want to do and the things that are good for us and other times they don't and I think that in this case things like Instagram they don't facilitate it but that doesn't mean that I can't make it happen myself it can't you know, I can choose to interact with the platform in a different way than it is designed for because I'm like, okay, that's that's how I want to use it. And I mean, like, for example, this is a kind of a segue, but like I have turned off likes. So I don't see likes on other people's posts and I don't see likes on my own things I that I post. That. Um, so yeah, you can turn off likes that you see on other people's posts and you can, indiv so that's a global setting and you can individually, every time you post something yourself, you can choose to say hide likes on this. And to me, for my mental health, this has been great. Like, yes, there's still part of me that wants to know and wants to compare and wants to like know how pat pat good I am because I've had this many likes, but I'm like, okay, I'm opting out um, of this bit of the platform and the this bit of the system that I feel is harmful to me and I'm able to have a more kind of healthy relationship with it and I think it's it's that same thing but in lots of different things it's like you you cannot make the world around you be perfect for you you have to decide like to what extent you know can I change things around me and to what extent can I um you know, influence how I interact and how I choose to take in uh, or uh, interact with the things that are around me. You reminded me of a of a a podcaster um, called Mar Marques Brown, um, who reviews technology. I don't know if you know him, but he's he's brilliant, and he's also very. I, I want to call you tech positive on 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 that side. You know, kind of like. This is the system, but these systems work the way you want them to work. And you have to train it and you have to do the input. Whereas I find myself on the other side, and it's not that I'm trying to take away the power, but with me, it's always like, what can I do? Not on this platform, but that's absolutely new. It's like almost like I don't want to be a part of it in, in that way. So it's not in this case that I'm not necessarily tech positive. It's just I feel that I don't want to work in the parameters <laughs> that they're giving me. I told you I like to be rebellious. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Iris, I don't know how, but I think I derailed the conversation. <laughs> oh, we were help. having such a deep conversation and now I'm talking about Instagram <laughs> likes. <laughs> I don't know. I'll just take the blame. I guess it's, it was probably me. I To, to, to further derail it, <laughs> um, it, it, it is something that I think, I think uh, many of us have been dealing with for quite a while but especially recently I feel like the algorithm has been 
like kind of acting strange. And um, there are certain things, you know, we can do to to combat it, turning off likes, like, you know, if we cannot change the algorithm, we can try to care less about it. And I've been feeling similarly recently, like if I can care less about the algorithm and instead focusing on the people who do see it and who do have, you know, certain comments about it, that makes me feel better. Um, and I was, I have been thinking about, you know, platforms where artists can showcase their work and have a meaningful conversation. And I feel like every platform has its opportunities and limitations, like the opposite of Instagram, say a traditional gallery, it still has its, you know, exclusiveness. It has its very particular conditions of what kind of work can enter, what kind of conversations are relevant. And I don't think those are a very wide set of conversations that they embrace and promote. And that is something, you know, I was telling Tamara earlier on, like part of me want to get into that conversation, want to be accepted. Part of me also feels like I don't want to be defined by what they accept as, you know, as like good enough. So I think there's always this constant push and pull. Like, yes, Instagram is democratic, but I don't feel like really seen enough. Whereas in the gallery, yes, people see you, but these are like a very select group of people with their own like, you know, social status. So yeah, it's always a struggle. Um, another thing I've been thinking about galleries i think that's that's the 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 fortunate thing about being in london among many other great things about london is that there are so many galleries um always having like new exhibitions established artists young emerging artists and i I try to go to you know as many as i can and it's been quite an educational um experience for me in the past year being here in that, first of all, seeing real artwork in person, close distance, you do get to, you know, see the things that are missing on the on the digital screen. And this is something that, you know, I, I feel like we are getting used to, the flattening of scale, of texture, of detail through the screen. And I feel like a lot of art practice, you know, yours, mine, other artists are consciously or subconsciously adapting to that. To that. Um, so it's always refreshing to see, always refreshing to see real artwork in galleries. But another thing that I've been feeling troubled a bit is the level of art critique and conversation, because at the end of the day, these gallery exhibitions are tied back to Instagram, are tied back to social promotion, social media promotions, to how you know you can be seen on the internet after all, and. I don't know if it's a coincidence or what, but I feel like the traditional gallery um, art criticism, art critique has become a little bit more limiting and becoming more like uh, Instagram alike in how Mm -hmm. they judge work. So more shallow. More 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 shallow. shallow, I think more shallow, more... um, It's like it starts to pick up like certain styles and certain ways of describing an artist's um, themes and processes as if that's like 
the the cool way, the right way of discussing things. And so, you know, like I feel like when I step into a gallery these days, the first thing I do is to read the overall description on the wall. And that sets the tone. Like if your writing is sincere and good, I feel like the work speaks so much more. Um, and if the writing is like things that I feel like I might have seen on Instagram, like, you know, the kind of like impressiveness, epicness, oh, how great this is, blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I might make it sound like shallow, but I do feel like I see a lot of these in, in gallery shows these days. And that would make me feel like, okay, I'm going to take a grain of salt <laughs> when I see the work that's coming up. It makes me think about the difference between and almost you can't like it's so intermeshed and you can't separate the two. But the difference between art for art's sake, art for meaning, art for an expression from the artist, for the interpretation by the person seeing it and commercial you know, ventures, because if somebody is uh, inviting you to a show and the write-up is, this is great, this is epic, you know, that's sales language. That's like trying to um, um, inject a, a, a type of importance, but not just importance inherently in the work that you're about to see, but saying, you know, um, buy this, or, and even if it's not buy this in terms of like, buy this at the sale price, but buy into this concept, buy into what you are here for and here seeing and that what you've um, committed your time to by going to an actual gallery. It's like, you know, the, yeah, the language of, uh, of selling. And I think it's so intertwined now. Um, and I find it a really big stumbling block because I'm often um, thinking already, even if I don't want to, I'm thinking about, oh, you know, can I sell this? How am I going to get this seen? Whereas really what ideally I would like to be involved with is what do I want to paint? What do I want to express? What paint color do I want to use? What makes me happy or what gets the point across that I'm trying to get across, even if it's only for myself and not for, you know, anybody else. And that kind of conversation between, you know, on the one hand, or like on the one side, uh, almost very far removed from the other side, is on the one side is this personal artist with their personal expression. And on the other side is like the commercial, you know, have a space, costs money, especially in London, um, you know, uh, get people to come in and buy it and buy into it. So it's, it's yeah, it's quite confusing, confusing for uh, for the artist, really. And for the viewer as well, actually, in a way. Um, cause I'm like, I don't, I, I haven't been going to galleries or shows because part of me feels like, well, I don't have money to buy art, like to pay the money that would do justice, uh, to the artist who's created this art. So I'm like opting out of going and seeing the art. And that's like, that's a whole mind fuck in itself because if I was in a gallery or doing a show, would I want people to only come if they were going to buy it? No, I'd want them to see my art because that's the whole point. So interesting. So you're not even enriching like your own experience or library now because you're prevented from going because the language is so salesy or... Well, it's not top. just the language, it's just the, the like the culture. I feel like I like I'm just having a kind of a brain explosion here because I, I realized that I have really 
bought into this whole culture of, you know, monetization, value attached to uh, sales and and numbers and stuff like that, rather than you know personal enrichment, um, support, you know, grassroots support for other artists, um, uh, inspiration, um, that kind of stuff. Which is really when you drill down into it, that's what it's about, right? As artists, um, but I think that I have just let it be eroded. It's I I, I feel you on on many levels. Um... It's, it can be very frustrating like uh, when you compare and see your position in this in this ecosystem and sometimes we all want to fit in and we can't I think I think that the one the one thing that I think about that comforts me is right now I don't see myself as a serious artist in that I, I do pursue several other different things and you know these other pursuits they might provide monetary support for the art. For the art creation aspect, um, and in this way, like I, I feel like you know, by doing many things at the same time, it relieves me from this pressure of trying to make a case of am I working hard enough to deserve certain spot. I, I feel like by relieving myself of the of the financial burden of I need to sell to make a living. And I need to keep making a big body of work so that, you know, I stay relevant. It, it does give me more freedom to feel like, oh, like this is a period of more inspiration and creativity. I'm going to make more artwork in the next two months. And then there could be a whole season where I just don't feel inspired at all. And that's fine for me. I, I feel like I do allow myself that freedom at this stage in my, in my practice. It definitely feels less serious when you have a full-time job or you have other things supplementing your income um, and you are not inspired. I fully 150% agree. Whereas if it's the only thing you're doing or the main thing that you're doing and you don't feel inspired for two months or you're sick for such a long time and you don't do anything, it feels cataclysmic. Like it is potentially... um, it's going to have deep, deep reaching consequences. I'm I'm thinking about this gallery thing and it's really like making these like connections in my brain. But I went and I, I saw an exhibition of Beksinski, who is a Polish artist whom I love very much. The guy's famous. He's okay. He's not around anymore, but his art is not necessarily up for purchase. It is when you go to a gallery to view his art, is not just to buy. There are some pieces, I guess, that you could buy, but it's more like a museum kind of vibe. But this thing you said about language is hitting me because even then, I know I said to me how this sounds like it was written by a 13-year-old who just thinks that like gothic or gross stuff is cool. And no offense, if you're 13 and you're listening to this podcast, go to school. Um, it just felt so cheap. And I think that's the word I'm looking for. And I and I really felt when I was viewing this work that th- these these works to me are so important and reaches into my soul. And every description I read, like yeah, it was fine, it was informative, but then it was it was shallow, lacking substance. And I thought, do I also have to speak like this when my work is one day in a gallery, not necessarily for purchase? I can't oh, do that. But this is really interesting because what 
what you're saying I've actually experienced in museums like the the actual you know like art museums where you go and see the masters and there's like a little thing and it just tells me the title which sometimes is untitled and I'm like my heart goes out to the artist who titled their work untitled because titling your work is so hard and I'm like oh this master painter in the 17th century also didn't know what to title their art great like I feel really seen um but that in the little description which I am imagine would have been put together by like art historians or whatever it often doesn't say anything of substance it just says something like oh well this painter painted this whilst they were in this situation but it doesn't give you any depth of what it might mean or what it you know what the metaphors are and uh so on the one hand I'm like okay well this is facile like but on the other hand, I'm also like, well, okay, so really what I'm here for is to see the work myself and to not be influenced by what somebody else or an art historian has said about it. But I guess like for me, I would kind of like both. Like I want the opportunity to not be told what to think and what it means, but I would also love for someone to come in and like tell me the historical context or, you know, what that person if they if it's known about the painter like what they were going through when they were painting it or what they were um you know what they were exploring in their work or whatever um you know just for context I'm having like a big like kick that's why my head like went back because I had such a big like head kick like a horse kick to the head and I was thinking about what we were saying before about how you want to view art and you want to spend time with the painting and I saw lady with the ermine you know this leonardo da vinci is it lady with the ermine just that's it right that's the title um is it Leon- it is leonardo so um it is one of his paintings and i i'm from south africa so i have never in my life thought i was going to see anything by leonardo uh let alone <laughs> let alone leave uh south africa i thought like this was i don't whatever long story and we went to see it and i held in Oh my God, TMI. I held in, I had my period. I was suffering other things. I held in some stuff and I was waiting to see it because this is a painting that means so much to me, not just because he painted it, but because of the the technical proficiency and all of that stuff. And no offense if you're Polish, but there were so many Polish people just pushing and like hitting and I'm quite short and they're very tall in comparison to me. And nobody was looking at the damn painting. They were taking out their cell phones like their Nokia 3310s. And they were taking like a picture. You can't take a picture. You can't take a picture with a Nokia (laughs) 3310. They were taking like these pictures. And like there was a woman like standing and like chewing like this and just looking at the painting. And I was like, I want to view this and I want to connect with it. But just because it's in a gallery doesn't mean also that people come and connect with it. It's also sometimes just a bit of a spectacle. And it's just like that was the the version of Instagram. Yeah. Oh, I've seen it. I've, I've, I've chewed some gum in front of it. And now we're done. And that's why it's like kind of kicking me in the head because it was probably the same thing for them. Like we're saying nobody spent time with my painting. Imagine Leonardo watching and seeing all of these people like not giving a shit. One tiny little African in the back trying to see. And when I finally got to the the painting, I was so disappointed because it like everything had taken away from the experience and I couldn't connect with it. And I have not like I used to look at that painting, zoom in and look at it. I have not looked at it since then. Like that just hit me because 
that connection and that little thing that I had built up in my mind was totally broken by all the likes and follows around me. Um, that was too, I spoke too excitedly about something that was not so exciting, but that's kind of the connection I made. I feel like all of this, you know, talks about uh, the museum, gallery, um, art criticism, writing, it all ties back to what we were discussing earlier on about art captioning, how much, how deeply we share, what kind of information is relevant to this viewing experience. Um, At the end of the day, be it through a screen or viewing it in person in a crowded museum or gallery, it's always limited in some way. And it's always deeply subjected to the personal willingness Mm, to see into the detail. I feel like even though Instagram in its little square has so much limitation, for people who are willing to see, they will see what they need to see. And that's the, that's a, I feel like that's a very modern thing about painting, you know, on whatever scale, in whatever media, is that you can, you can find a resonance and create a relevant conversation at different scales. And you don't have to always, you don't have to, always hang on to the traditional painterly aspect of it. And I'm not saying this to denounce, you know, the craft of painting to say, oh, like painting is not relevant. Like, oh, let's just be free. No, it's not about that. But I feel like, you know, this is an era where whatever you make at whatever scale or resolution, you you still can find, you know, people with intention who want to read it. And I think that's, that's the, that's the, the blessing of social media that I do still hold on to and appreciate. Yeah, it's so democratic if you, especially if you take it from, you know, we are looking at Leonardo da Vinci's paintings in a big gallery, but we're not looking at the thousands or millions of other artists. Well, okay, there might not have been millions at the time, but the thousands of other artists who were not seen at the time and can now no longer be seen because you know they 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 don't exist anymore whereas you know on instagram everybody can potentially be seen um which is the you know it's the it's the drawback at the same time as it is the positive um you know it's it's democratic and like part of me really really likes that you just have to decide how much of being seen actually satisfies that need to be seen because there is a need to be seen Mm. i mean we're we're all saying Mm -hmm. it so how much is it how many scenes do you need to feel seen (laughs) yeah so can we can we quickly uh because i have a quick question for you i don't know if it's a quick question but like um or if the answer is quick but um i tend to make everything long so so what is your favorite uh, because i have an answer for this but what is your favorite ice cream uh, that you have made so far Oh, very difficult because uh, I love so many of them. Um, let's see. I do like my coffee ice cream a lot. And that is something that um, I'm still trying to improve in getting the subtlety of the flavor of the coffee beans out into a very different, uh, you know, host. Um, coffee. Um, may I say one more? <laughs> 
Um, I also like grain-based flavors quite a lot. So I've done corn, um, barley, um, and I'm going to try other types of grains. You know, now that spring is coming and there's many different options coming out of this ground. Um, the grain flavors, they just have a very nice, subtle, like, you know, like a taste of nature to them. That I feel like, you know, it's a sweet experience, but you also feel like, wow, like I'm in the open field. Uh-huh. And that always makes me feel nice. Um, yeah, I try to keep it natural. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. Yeah. Mine was the basil. Was it basil and lemon curd? That was my oh, favorite. Oh, yes. That's one of my top two. Yeah. That was the yeah. first one where I said I would pay money for this. Like sell oh. this in the shop. Sell this in the shop and I will buy it. <laughs> that that would definitely be up on the menu i think i yeah i, I think i i personally like that one a lot as well um the name of my ice cream shop will be called matter at hand it's about i think like at the beginning of the podcast i was saying oh like my painting and my ice cream they do not mix um that's 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 also not true it's like i, I <laughs> I think they they inform each other a lot. And at the end of the day, they're both about the craft of the hand. It's about like a very intentional and involved process of like making and hoping that things turn out transformed into something better. I think that often happens with any creativity. Like when you do, when you are this one person, this one unique person, and you have different modes of creativity, they all like they all draw together, even if they are super different from each other. I think that's super interesting. Yeah. Well, Yu Chao, thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. It's been really, really interesting talking to you. You never know like what depths people hold. This has been a real treat. Would you like to let people know um, where they can find you and how they can support you? Yes. Oh, thank you guys so much. This this has been a, a true pleasure of mine to, to talk to both of you. Um, to find me... I'm on Instagram. I also have my personal website, both of which I believe will be linked with the podcast. Um, Or if you're in London, you're welcome to just hit me up and uh, come see my work in person anytime. Awesome. Go to Yu Chao's house and Iris is next door. Come to my flat. (laughs) You're going to get ice cream. This ice cream, how can you, how dare you ask a question about the flavor of ice cream and I've never tasted it. Like... (laughs) Well, you gotta plan a trip to London now. (laughs) And thank you to all our listeners too. We'd like to remind you that you can follow this podcast on your preferred platform. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating or review or mail us on notarealartistpodcast at gmail.com with any of your questions, insights, or just to say hi. And now for the key takeaways. Number one usually in portraits, the emotion and identity are conveyed through the face. However, the narrative power and agency can also reside in the body or be given back to the body through painting it. Number two, you can paint things with love and attention, even if those things you choose to paint are quote-unquote ugly. Number three, our own self-awareness of who we are is always fleeting. It is a constant dialogue between how we are perceived by society and others and how we perceive ourselves and how one impacts the other. Number four, 
Bodily fluids such as milk are usually seen as private, taboo, or serving a specific reproductive purpose, but they also have a sacredness to them and can take on their own metaphorical message. Number five. We can look at bodies in their own right, with neither beauty or ugliness as their purpose, but rather as self-sufficient vessels for all of our identities. Number six. When we caption our work, we might wish to consider what is appropriate, what is effective, and what is artistically impactful. And number seven, we could also consider whether it's necessary to caption our work at all. We can guide the viewer with a well-thought-out title, but captioning might veer into the territory of telling people what to think or serve our own need to explain ourselves. On the other hand, providing text can help people connect with our work and help us connect with our audience. Number eight. Every platform has its opportunities and limitations. Social media might not be the best platform for connecting with art, but it is the platform we have. We can choose to interact with these platforms in ways that serve us. Number nine, go look at art in person, in museums and galleries and places where you can absorb the textures up close. Number 10, what we see in art, whether through a screen or in a gallery, is always limited in some way and always subject to the viewer's personal willingness. Number 11. The varied creative processes we engage with as artists inform each other, even if they are as different from each other as painting and making ice cream. Welcome to Not A Real Artist. I can't remember what we say. <laughs> Iris and I, Iris told me, uh, shut up, Tamara, stop talking to me. You should, we should save this for the podcast. And I said, Iris, how can you hurt my feelings like this? And she just ghosted me for the next eight hours. <sighs> it's a lie, everybody. Iris is like the best person ever, okay? Um, <laughs> Iris, can I, can I stop talking? Yeah, it's like, I'll just let you dig your own hole. It's okay. <laughs> um, sorry, my dog is clicking. Oh, hi. Hi, dog. Can I see your dog? Uh, he's clicked away. I think he, he gets upset. Away. Yeah, he he doesn't like when I talk too much. Um, <laughs> the dog knows. Censoring <laughs> the dog. Truth. Yeah, he's just like, oh, God, not again. We get it. Um, I really liked... Um, I, this is just a side note like the way you chow said the end like that's such a nice like conclusion and bow it was oh my god you were like iris can you like wrap this up in a bow and then you chow did it like better than i ever oh, could so that was I just, really good uh, jumped. I yeah. no Thanks. that was great next week on not a real artist hi it's, it's me you chow <laughs> alone Taking by myself over. <laughs> podcast takeover and now sorry Oh, <laughs> <laughs>